I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Well, uh, <clears throat> it's been an interesting week. I've got three of my uh, my kiddos were running a fever today, and I'm not feeling the greatest, but the good news is that means I've got a lovely resonant quality to my voice as uh, the allergies are kicking in. Not quite as as clear. Uh, some of my words are a little bit uh, chopped off because I've got to, I've got a tough nose. Um, that's that's my way of saying stuffed nose. I got a tough nose. Um, that's what my children sound like. Uh, even the uh, even the two year old. He's got that. He's got the very low voice. Not really. Uh, so yeah, we're we're uh, hunkered down today. Um, Mom took the older ones to school, and the younger ones stayed home with me. And they were all excited because it's you know it, I'm sick and I get to stay home from school. And they uh, they watched half a movie and then they crashed because they were just exhausted as their bodies are doing everything they can uh, to correct the problem. That is their fevers and everything else. So their their stay at home day, um, free from all constraints, that was kind of ruined for them as they realized that oh, being sick is not fun. Uh, and so yeah, that's uh, that's what's going on here in this home. Uh, it's also a very interesting week, exciting week, crazy week um, because I have volunteered because I don't know when to say no. I have volunteered uh, in our small parish in Kentucky to lead the youth group. Uh, so y'all say an extra special prayer for me this week and also for the uh, for the kids because Lord knows they need uh, deliverance. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've always told uh, everyone, really, but my wife knows very well, I don't do youth. I don't do youth. I've never done youth. My grandfather, for years, has been convinced that I'm a youth director because I worked for the church, uh, and and it's like I'll do elementary, no problem whatsoever. Uh, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, I get along with grade. I can uh, I I connect, and then I I like the uh, upper college age and beyond. I did marriage and family and. Uh, respect life and a number of other things along those lines. And I, I never really felt like I connected with youth as it were, uh, you know, that, that typical, uh, high school age. And, um, and so we, we pulled into town, uh, on July 15th or, or thereabouts. And we pulled in, uh, it was a Sunday morning at 2 AM, 2 30 is when we actually got into the house and, and went to sleep. Uh, and then woke up the next morning and we went to mass because that's what you do. Uh, that's how I was growing up. Of course, we weren't Catholic, but you know, if you're if you're alive and you're breathing and you're upright, uh, then you go to church on Sunday, and it's it's just what you do. And so we we woke up uh, after going to bed around two thirty three. We woke up and made it to the ten o'clock mass, which is great because I mean ten o'clock is you know we're pretty well into the day, uh, and uh, there. There on that first week, I don't know that they announced anything the first week. The second week we went, um, they, uh, father announced that they needed help with the youth group and that if, uh, if they didn't have help, they weren't going to be able to do it. And I felt a little bit of a prick in my, in my heart that, you know, 
I feel so strongly about catechetics and so strongly about providing substantive answers to questions of faith, um, not just pat Sunday school answers that you're supposed to accept, but really wrestling with the questions. I feel strongly enough about that uh, that I, I wanted to make sure that whoever did volunteer um, really cared about catechetics. You know, there's a lot of people out there who really care about youth and they really want to give them a place, but they're not prepared with an answer. And I know that that, that age really does uh, not just need the pat answer, but they need someone to get in there and wrestle with the questions with them. So I, I'm sitting there in the front pew going, oh, I'm going to have to do this, aren't I? And uh, we're leaving that mass. And uh, on the way out, somebody uh, came up to us who had just met us one time and said, you know, I was wondering if, if you would, I know that you're new, but I'd wonder if you'd consider taking this. And so, you know, what do you do? What do you do in that point? We already knew that we wanted to join the parish because I feel very strongly that whatever parish you go to, whether that's the parish that you are uh, within the boundaries of or not, whatever parish you go to, you ought to be involved in more than just Sunday morning. Uh, and when we would travel 20 miles to Mass or, or more, uh, there wasn't that option, right? You went once a week, you went on Mass, and, and then that was it. You didn't go to CCD, you didn't go to, or, or RE, or whatever it is that they call it at your parish. Uh, you didn't participate in uh, small groups or in um, Bible studies or in Knights of Columbus or uh, you know, whatever else there was, you, you just, you couldn't keep going back every day if you're driving 20, 30 miles to get there. Uh, and, and the same is true for daily mass. Uh, how do you, how do you make daily mass with a busy schedule when you have to go so far? So I, I determined that we were going to go to the parish that was closest to us, uh, because it doesn't really matter, uh, how big the parish is or what the parish has involved. What matters is that Jesus is there. All right, Jesus is there as we as we uh, come into the the sanctuary and we see that the the candle is lit and the tabernacle is closed. We know that the presence of Christ is there, uh, and we're given that guarantee. So, my my theory of parish life is that you are given gifts for a reason. Whatever those gifts are, uh, you know what they are, and I don't. Um, whatever gift you've been given, use that to to make the parish better, right? Um, when we were doing pre I said talk about this all the time. Don't go to the church that that you feel is the friendly church. Be friendly in the church that you're in and change the culture. Not in a uh, not in a deceptive or manipulative kind of way, but just you are now part of that parish. Be be the change you want to see, as it were. Uh, so <clears throat> we started uh, inviting people over. We do brunch every Sunday after Mass, uh, most every Sunday, and we invite someone over because we want to be a home characterized by hospitality. And so that's what we do. And as we do that, the church culture begins to change because we're part of the church. And other people uh, pick up on that, and they begin to participate in that as well. And so here I am. I I have giftings. I have availability. uh, And so I say, okay, I'm doing the youth. Um, the diocese has given us some curriculum. We're going to be using the life teen curriculum, and um, and I'm a bit I'm ambivalent about it. I'll be honest because uh, I I I'm hesitant around anything that looks too much like Protestantism, 
because I left that. I, I purposefully left that. And so um, for me, uh, I, nothing makes me happier than a Bible and a catechism, right? And, and <clears throat> hard questions. I, I really enjoy that. And uh, I, I would listen to Gregorian chant all day long if I had the option because I had my fill of lights and big drums when I was a worship pastor for a decade. Uh, and yet um, somebody has to instill that, right? Somebody has to say uh, to young people, let's talk about faith in a substantive way. Let's do this in a way that isn't uh, overly playing on the emotions. Let's let's talk about why we do things in the liturgy the way we do them uh, and create a foundation. So all that to say, uh, Sunday, uh, Sunday night, I do, uh, have my first group of teens. It's a small parish, so we're probably going to have, you know, 10 or 15. And, and that's probably good for me to start with because um, I'll take 500 fifth graders. I'll take uh, a thousand adults. Uh, 15 teenagers is probably a good start for me. Uh, and so, so this is what we're going to do, right? We're going to get together uh, and we're going to talk about the faith. And we're not going to shy away from difficult questions. Um, we're not going to say, oh, well, you know, you just have to, we, we, you just have to trust the church. I do trust the church implicitly, but the church has given us intellect, right? We have an intellect. We have the ability to wrestle with these things uh, and to, to ask the challenging questions without being threatened by them, right? Uh, and so that's what I'm going to attempt to do. I'm going to attempt. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I'll talk to you about it next week. I'll tell you if I crashed and burned or not. Uh, so say a quick prayer for me on Sunday night as I, uh, as I connect with the, the teens here in, uh, in my parish. Uh, pray for me, pray for them, and pray for all those who are of the age who are seeking real substantive questions about their faith. Um, that brings me to our, our conversation for the week. We're going to talk with uh, a friend of mine, a, a fellow uh blogger, a podcaster. She's on the Breadbox Media Podcast Network, not on the stream, but on the podcast network. Uh, and her name is Rosalie Contrite uh, from the Contrite Catholic blog and This Catholic Life podcast. She's going to talk to us about some of the hard questions she had to come to. She grew up in the Catholic faith culturally, uh, but walked away from it because there weren't the answers for her. And so we're going to talk about a little bit about what it was that piqued her interest, that drew her back into the faith. Uh, and it's going to be a great conversation that you are not going to want to miss. It's going to be right after this next break. So why don't you go over to social media? I'm going to have a link to her social media uh, on all formats. So over on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Instagram is Instagram slash step outside the walls. And on Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk with Rosalie Contrite about what made her a contrite Catholic. While you're over there at my social media, why don't you tell me uh, what was one of the questions that that you struggled with as a teen, uh, and what was the answer that gave you uh, some comfort and some some hope? We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I am your host, Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking around. We've got a great show for you today. We're talking with Rosalie Contrite. And if you don't know her, well, I don't know where you've been. She's on the new and notable in uh, in the iTunes podcast store. Uh, she is a blogger. She is also a podcaster here on the Breadbox Media Network. So in the app, what you're going to want to do is go over to the, the menu there and click podcast and scroll down till you see This Catholic Life. Because uh, she's not on the stream, but she is on the podcast. And you can also find her blog over at contritecatholic.com. That is correct. Uh, and so you're you're not going to want to miss it. So, Rosalie, thanks for being on the show today. Oh, I'm excited. Thank you for asking me. I know we tried to get together earlier, so it's good that we could get together finally. You know, uh, I've, I've wanted to have you on ever since um, you got a, a little bit of a man crush on my um, on my boys over there at the, the, uh, the Catholic Man Show. And I felt a little jealous. Oh, yeah. I totally fangirl over those guys. They crack me up. <laughs> so uh, they got me into radio. They over there on St. Michael Catholic Radio in Oklahoma. They they pressured me into it, and we've talked about that on the show before. Uh, and so then a long time after that, they decided, hey, you know, we'll start a show as well. Uh, and now they're just uh, they're exploding. They've got a, they've got Catholic answers. Patrick Coffin's telling people to go listen to it. And I'm like, hey, you know what? I, somebody can come and, and talk, but nobody does. Nobody talks about my show. It's okay. I'm okay. I'm not, I'm not jealous at all because, uh, we're supposed to be content. Yeah. I, I always say, you know, I would do this if I were, the, if I was only helping one person and if I help thousands or one, I'm really doing it for an audience of one, which is God. So mm -hmm. I think that helps us to stay really content no matter how big or little we are. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about your blog. Of course, your name on the blog is Rosalie Contrite. Talk to me about how that came about. Why are you known as Rosalie Contrite? Well, uh, my name is Rosalie, and I thought it'd be a bad idea to blog because ain't no crazies like religious crazies. I thought it'd be a bad <laughs> idea to put all this out there. Um, and so it was. Uh, it came really easily because I thought, okay, well, let's make my last name symbolic. And something that is symbolic of the way I live my life is that I'm contrite. I'm contrite about the way I'm kind of beating my chest about what I've done in the past with everything I do. It's sort of in penance. And and uh, that's that's how I came up with the name. So now you're not necessarily overly scrupulous, right? You you have uh, you are a convert into the Catholic Church. Uh, and how, well, how recently did that happen? OK, so uh, I grew up culturally Catholic. OK, um, I always identified as an atheist uh, and but I went through a lot of things in the Catholic Church and was familiar with it. It was on my radar. I did not believe in it. Um, but I, I would say around 2009, I became Catholic consciously. Okay. Now I have a question for you because this is something that I, I've been curious about myself. Um, I, I understand completely those people who go through life and they identify as none, right? Uh, well, I'm not really anything. I'm not Catholic. I'm not, I'm just, I am what I am and I do what I do. Um, I'm always intrigued by people who define themselves solely by what they don't believe. So when you get into atheism, it, it comes to a statement of, I don't believe in God, therefore this is who I am. 
So it's really interesting. Um, I would say that a, a part of it, and, and that was something that I had thought about because I wasn't just an atheist, like, eh, I don't believe anything. I was very militant. Um, you know, my, my gods were Hitchens and Dawkins and, uh, I was very angry. So I would have described myself as a militant atheist. It wasn't like you do you. So I'll be an atheist and you have faith. I would actively work to, to persuade the people in my life that their faith was ridiculous. Okay. Because, but I saw them as being enslaved to this mythology and I wanted to free them. So it wasn't like I was like evil. I wanted to free these people from what I saw as mythology. So let's talk about how you went from that perspective to a place where you now are that crazy. You, you have I, you have subscribed to their brand of craziness, what you saw as absolute uh, ludicrous. Yeah, mythology, you know, a dimwit. I had na- I, I called them all sorts of names. I made all kinds of fun of them, uh, or me now, I guess myself. Uh, I would say I wasn't interested in any sort of faith. Okay, um, uh, I was into sort of new age stuff for a little bit, but. Uh, I, I was leading my life very different than my family had raised me. Right. So I moved in with my boyfriend, um, and they weren't really happy about that. And I know a lot of people when, uh, someone in their family does something that isn't in, in like kind of jiving with their faith. A lot of times they're like, Oh, well, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to hurt their feelings or chase them away from the faith. I would tell you that's the wrong decision because the thing that made me look at the faith was the people who did say what you're doing isn't right or we still love you, but we're not going to visit you in your home where you're kind of making a mockery of marriage. Now, I'm not going to say that. I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. No, I was really ticked off, like being mad. Uh, But those are the things that got me thinking, maybe be like, I need to disprove this. I need to look into this. Um, and I think if we just go, Oh, well, what you're doing, like, it's not what I believe, but it's fine. Like, why would I ever second guess it? Right. So let's talk about those influences in your life, because generally what I've seen of people who either revert to the faith or who convert into the faith, it, it happens from both an intellectual perspective where they are challenged with an idea, but also with a relational perspective where someone is investing in their life and they're not giving up on them and they're not necessarily uh, preaching at them, but they're just being constant. So let's talk about those relational components. Who was it for you uh, and what was the kind of the modus operandi that they had uh, in interacting with you that drew you closer to being able to accept the idea of faith? Sure. Well, um, I went into a Catholic bookstore um, getting a gift for one of my brothers. I think it was their confirmation. And I knew that they still believed and I wanted to get them something that would appeal to them or him. So I got, I went in and the woman immediately identified me at like, she's like, zoned in on me. And she's like, um, are you Catholic? And I'm like, not really. Like, I mean, I was, you know, and, and she had like a lot of really uncomfortable questions. Um, and while I was there, she noticed that I was looking at this statue, which was of our lady of grace, like an outdoor statue, Mm -hmm. one of those gray ones. And, uh, uh, she said, yeah, you know, you know, the statue. And I said, Oh, it just reminds me of my mother who passed away. And she said, um, 
something like, oh, I, I'll, I'll, you know, ask her to pray for you, you know, because she's in heaven. And I was like, how do you know she's in heaven? Like, that's a little presumptuous. Okay. <laughs> if there even is anything. Right. And she's like, I cannot believe that anyone who, you know, that you would be reminded of her by a statue of the Our Lady of Grace and that she would not be there. Um, and it's, I was sort of flabbergasted and I was like, okay. And she's like, you know what, why don't you take her? And I kind of thought, this is a terrible sales tactic. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, she was like, no, actually take her. And she gave her to me that day. And I was like, I don't even believe in God. And I was so excited about a bargain and like, so <laughs> oh, right. Uh, and I forgot to get a gift. So that meant I had to go back and oh. she and I engaged in some seriously heated dialogue. She asked the tough questions. Why are you an atheist? And I would say, well, you know, um, the sex scandals and the church is really down on women and, uh, just all these, I said all these horrible things about the church and I thought she would kick me out of the store and she didn't. She had a good answer for every single one of those things and a book and she led me by the hand, really. Mm -hmm. But she was willing to not get offended and not get huffy and not retaliate, but to say, oh, well, let's look at it from a different perspective. Yeah. And I really, um, I try to, to do that myself when I'm discussing the church with people, especially when they say something. And I think, you know, they're really trying to get a rise out of me. I, I'm really trying to, I stay level headed because I know that at the heart of what they're saying is that they want justice and they believe that believing in a myth is not justice and causing me to do all sorts of crazy things. So I get where their anger is coming from. So right. I, I really try to stay calm and, and work with everyone. Although I tell you, cafeteria Catholics are harder to work with than atheists. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, anytime that you've got someone who is closer in in belief that, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got that. I'm, I'm, it, it, I think it's the, the, the uh, difference that creates such a, a dramatic, uh, possibility. Yeah. And I, and I try to keep myself open to dialogue with atheists and agnostics. I love it when they email me as so long as they're cordial, I'm happy to have conversation. I had a great, uh, conversation with a, a guy named Miguel was emailing me because his church or his dog, not his dog, sorry, his girlfriend had started having interest in the church and he was agnostic kind of baffled. And so he had all kinds of really hard questions for me and I'm, I was happy to talk about him and I'm glad to receive those kinds of contacts. So you get this kind of thing all the time from the blog, uh, which if you want to engage with uh, Rosalie on her blog, you can find it over at contritecatholic.com, contritecatholic.com. There you can find not only her blogs and her opinions and her, uh, her stories and, and much more. You can also find her podcast. She's got those linked there. Uh, she's got a podcast called This Catholic Life that's available on uh, iTunes, on the Google Play Store, and on the Breadbox Media Network. We're going to be right back right after this and continue our conversation. We're going to touch on all things uh, contrite, talk a little bit about uh, how we express our faith through art and much more. Why don't you join the conversation? Go over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. And of course, Rosalie's favorite Instagram. You can get there by going to step outside the walls. We'll see you there. And we'll be right back after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Oh, we're talking today with Rosalie Contrite, the purveyor of the Contrite Catholic uh, blog. And you can go get there by typing in contritecatholic.com. You can find the blog and much more. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about uh, social media because you are kind of a, uh, a whiz at social media. Uh, I listened to a, an episode of yours a while back, and you you had the countdown of your, I th- think, 10 favorite, maybe it wasn't a number, but 10 favorite um, Instagram accounts. And you, you introduced a, a whole crew of people via social media to, to some really good content and good art and good uh, everything else. And you seem to be better at this than I am because people actually comment back to you on social media. And, and uh, I don't necessarily get that quite as often as you do. So talk the, about your social media prowess. I don't know if I have a prowess. Uh, <laughs> when I'm on social media, I really try to be real. I think there's a lot of great, very polished theologically sound and intelligent material out there. And I could try to produce that. I wouldn't do it as well as some of the greats, but I could try. But what I do find uh, kind of a gap for in the Catholic world is someone being real. Like, okay, this is the truth. It's not easy to live it. And I'm kind of a mess. And I'm not hiding that from you guys. I'm not hiding that I struggle or that I end up in confession twice a week or, you know, that when I wake up on Sunday morning, maybe I'm not that excited for mass sometimes. And I think that the level of honesty that I have on social media is comforting to people because they're like, I thought I was the only one and they're not. You know, I just keep coming back to your your blog because uh, of the the humor that you use. Uh, You've got a very certain style of wit. Uh, Recently, you posted a a photo of you and a photo of your husband wearing um, something, uh, asking who wore it better. Talk talk to us about that lovely encounter. Uh, You know, I am a really silly person. I think humor is the best gift that God gave us. I think just laughing is such good medicine. So I make everything funny to me. It's probably funny to nobody else. But anyways, I put a Snapchat filter if it has makeup or something girly and I put it on my husband, Mariano. And so I did a Snapchat filter that was like of the black swan, which everyone will probably be familiar with. And I put it on me and then I posted who wore it better. Hopefully it's me, but I'm sure somebody thinks he did it better. <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm not going to comment. I'm just uh, not even going to go there. Uh, so... <laughs> That 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 could lead to uh, I don't know you might find where I live, uh, and and you know that's not always uh, the best thing, right? So we were talking with uh, Rosalie Contrite uh, about social media, about humor, which of course you have a very uh, uh, a sharp wit, I would say, uh, and uh, also just uh, I I think that you get along with the uh, the the Catholic man show guys quite a bit. They've got that same kind of quick banter kind of humor that I've associated with you from my interactions with you online. Is that probably a little accurate? Uh, they are my bros. I love those two. They're great. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, I feel like, I feel like we're kindred spirits when I talk to them. They just kind of are really similar. We're very close in age, the three of us. So I think that also, you know, maybe it's, 
I don't know that we're really similar because of that. I don't know. So let's let's talk for a moment. If you were going to do because they've got the Catholic Man Show, let's just say for a moment that you were going to do the Catholic Woman Show. Okay. Because uh, I think that you're going to have a good perspective on this, uh, and not one that that is. Uh, stereotypical, right? So if you were going to have, they've got, they do every week, uh, they do the man gear, they do the man beverage, and then they do some topic of the faith. So if you had a, a woman beverage and a woman gear for the week, what would it be? Um, box wine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. No. I was just making a joke. Uh, so no, yeah. The woman beverage is box wine and the item is bonbons. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I would say the woman beverage would be kombucha because women are very health minded and that's hot. And <laughs> the woman item, uh, you know, it's our mother's birthday. So the rosary. Okay. So now, uh, help me out here because I have absolutely no idea what kombucha is. Uh, it's fermented tea. Really? Yeah. So it has probiotics depending on how you ferment it. It could be alcoholic or non-alcoholic. Okay. I, I have never heard of this before. Ask your wife about it. She'll know. She has never heard of this before. We talk really? about a lot of, yeah, I've, I, that's, that's new to me. Of course. No, uh, I promise you tell her kombucha. She's going to know. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I, between the break, I will go and ask her and report back in the final segment. Yeah. When we come back from the break, we're going to find out that I know Timothy's wife better than he does. <laughs> <laughs> so lastly, let's talk a little bit about how you have taken to express yourself through your blog. You do it through the, the podcast that is new and notable on iTunes. Congratulations on that, by the way. Yeah, that surprises me. I, I think they should take me down. <laughs> I mean, hey, you get broad audience. So that's, that's, a, that's a positive thing. So you also have taken to doing some art. Talk to us a little bit about I, I'm intrigued by it because I'm a graphic designer uh, by trade. And to me, I'm looking at this and it, it's a beautiful script, a watercolor kind of format. But it, to me, it looks like it could possibly be uh, a font. And I'm curious, do you use that as a template or are you uh, doing a, a digital rendering? What, what is your artwork? Um, I use no templates or anything. It's just me, um, a paintbrush, and some paint. That's all it is. Um, I have always been very drawn to art. I'm a very creative person, kind of type person, like weird color hair, tattoos, kind of broody. That's kind of like my thing. Uh, so, of course, I got to do art to to be like that. <laughs> so now a lot of your art is faith-based and a lot of it is is word-based as well. So what draws you to that kind of art more so than, than the what you would just images. Yeah, just pictorial. I really think that um, that the scripture and the things that we surround ourselves with really it, it influences us. So if I surround myself with music posters, that's what I'm going to think about. If I surround myself with the scripture or um, just quotes from really holy people, that's what I'm going to think about. And that's what I found in my life. But I also found that there was a big gap. Like if you're looking for Catholic art specifically, you're not going to find that much. There's more of it popping up and that's awesome. Uh, but modern art 
it's, it's really not there. So I was like, all right, I'll just make this. And if nobody likes it, I'm going to decorate my house. But you know, some people have liked it. Excellent. You know, that's one of the things that when we first became Catholic, I mean, not like Protestants have a whole lot more art. You go there and they've got uh, pictures of landscapes and, and golf courses with uh, a scripture at the bottom of it. And that makes it Christian. Uh, and that's problematic to me as well. But in in Catholic art, it, for specifically for those people who are just getting started in decorating their home, there's nothing. Uh, the The crucifixes are deformed and and, and generic, and uh, there's not a lot out there that's beautiful. Uh, and so that's one of the things I appreciate uh, about you in your artwork is that you are seeking to provide beauty at, at really a reasonable uh, price at an, at an accessible price. Uh, and there's a, a friend of mine who I think you need to look into as well, you, Rosalie, and you listening. Uh, and that's uh, Catholic Sacramentals. I think it's .org. Um, and they have endeavored to find just beautiful bronzed statues and to reintroduce the practice of not just having art, but having blessed things in your home, having sacramental things in your home. So they. With everything that they sell, they send you a, a little uh, card that you can then take to your priest and uh, gives you the blessing for it. Uh, and so that's something that I just really appreciate. You come into our home and there's like every every corner, everything that we can find, possibly find that's beautiful. It's like, okay, we'll stick that up on the wall. Uh, because you're right. What you surround yourself with is what you focus on throughout the day. Yeah, um, I'm just looking up the website you mentioned. Uh-huh. So that, is, it, is it org or com? It's org. Okay. Catholic, Sac- Catholic Sacramentals.org. Yeah. Uh, he's a friend of mine out of the uh, the Tulsa area. He's in the Diaconate Formation Program there. And he, basically he got tired of, of not being able to find art. So he's like, okay, we'll sell it then. That's awesome. Yeah, that's kind of, I, I mean, some of it was people knew what I was capable of. I don't want to sound like I think I'm capable of something great. I think a lot of people do what I do, but do it better, but they were friends of mine. And so they wanted me to do it. And so when I began to share that with people, it was kind of like a, uh, you know, it just built itself. Finally, I was doing it so much. I needed to set up a shop and it's just grown from there. So if people wanted to find that, of course, they can go to contritecatholic.org contritecatholic.com and right up in the top of the menu there it's uh it says shop now uh if someone says you know i've got a i've got a specific passage i've got a specific topic that really means a lot to me um do you do commissions absolutely i'm doing a lot of commissions right now so i i do them and i even the ones that are on the site i've had a couple people contact me and say an eight by ten is not big enough for me. You can do 11 by 14. So I've done that as well. Okay. Well, we've been, we've been talking with Rosalie Contrite. She's got a blog, the contritecatholic.com. Uh, she's got a podcast here on the Breadbox Media Network, This Catholic Life. You need to go to your iTunes store, your, uh, your Google Play store and download that. Listen to a couple of episodes and get hooked. Enjoy. We'll be right back after this. Uh, join us on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. Instagram, it's step outside the walls. And we're going to link to Rosalie and all of her places so you can find her and follow her as well. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I am your host, Timothy Putnam. Glad that you are still here. I'm, I tell you, I'm barely still here. I'm just uh, on the edge of losing my voice as I'm dealing with the, uh, the cough and the, uh, the allergies and whatever else it is that my children have. Uh, so we're going to, but we're going to make it through this. You and I, we're going to make it through this and then I'm going to hang up the headphones and I'm going to go away for a week. Uh, and it's all going to be well again, uh, pray for me as I'm dealing with this, uh, this, whatever this is, this cold, this crud, uh, because Sunday, Sunday night is that first youth group. And, uh, so just say a prayer for me and just pop onto social media and say, you, you can do it, man. Uh, so lots of things going on. In addition to that, uh, I am I somehow because I, because I am a glutton for punishment uh, and and I I just can't get enough. Um, Forty days for life is upon us. It starts in September, end of September. I think September twenty eighth this year goes to November sixth, and uh, wherever you are, there's likely a campaign, a local campaign. Uh, we're going to talk soon with, uh, I've got a, a call out to Steve Carlin. He's the, uh, the North American director, the director of North American campaigns for 40 days for life. We're going to have him on again. He's been on before, uh, about this time last year. Uh, and so wherever you are, you can find it. And I tell you, I, I really admire this organization. I admire the way they go about doing, uh, their, their vigil. Uh, and a part of this is because of my own experience, right? I was, uh, I was uh, uh, an unplanned, I had an unplanned pregnancy. Of course, I wasn't the pregnant one. But I understand to some extent the, the kind of, of fear that is involved in that. Uh, and I love the compassion and the very uh, peaceful nature of the vigil. I love the fact that they, just like uh, Rosalie was talking about earlier, they don't uh, back away from those difficult questions. They don't say, oh, well, you do whatever you want to do, but they're not at all harsh or condemning. And so that's uh, one of the things I just really appreciate about 40 Days for Life. So uh, I found out that there was a campaign going on here. And naturally, because I am a glutton for for whatever, uh, I, I contacted the leaders and, uh, they have plugged me in. And so I'm, I'm highly involved now, <laughs> uh, not quite to the level that I was when I was in Tulsa and running the thing, but, uh, enough so that, uh, those experiences in Tulsa are not going to waste. So, uh, if you have not yet looked into 40 days for life where you are, I want you to go to 40daysforlife.com and right there they've got a map of all the locations. See what's going on near you uh, and at the very least, take an hour. Just one time in those 40 days, at the very least, take an hour and go out and pray. You don't have to hold a sign. You don't have to, to talk to anyone. You don't have to protest. This is not a protest. Go out and pray. Stand before God and say, God, um, I believe that you have uh, these these women. I believe you have their best in mind. Uh, I believe that you have uh, held close to your heart all of these clinic workers. And God, I ask that you would bless them. Right now, that that might freak some people out. Well, what do you mean, bless bless the clinic worker? Absolutely, bless the clinic worker. Because what is the blessing of God? The blessing of God doesn't mean that uh, that person gets approved in all of their actions. It means that their best is brought out and given to them. 
right? That their eternal good is made manifest. And that's what we want. That's what, because th- that blessing is incompatible with continuing outside of a state of grace. That blessing is going to draw them back to grace. Uh, and that's what we want more than anything. Uh, the 40 Days for Life is intimately connected with the uh, the, for- the folks over at abortionworker.com, uh, and then there were none. Uh, and that's what we want. We want God to to give these people, all of these people who work in a clinic, all of these people who are fearful and are are seeking an abortion as an easy answer, we want God to give them their best, what's, what's absolutely the best thing for them, and to bring them peace and to bring them uh, joy and to bring them into the understanding of God's great love for them. Gosh, w- what an amazing thing that is. Can you do that? Can you go out and and pray that for someone? How can someone say what you're praying? You're, what are you praying? You, you know, you don't have to go out and pray uh, that God shuts them down or that God condemns them or God does anything else. You, you pray God's best for them and then the rest will take care of itself. I, I promise you, the rest will take care of itself. And they've seen just incredible success with 40 Days for Life because of that kind of thing. Now, we're going to talk about a birthday right along the lines of this 40 Days for Life. Uh, Last Thursday was the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. We celebrated Mary's birthday. Uh, How do we know that it was Mary's birthday? Um, You know, I I haven't even looked that up. I'm sure that the church gave us this day to celebrate it for a reason. But I tell you what, um, I've got two boys whose birthdays are very close, and we celebrate their birthday some days, some years, on a day close to their birthday, but not actually on it. So it's less important that we know the calendar date that somebody was born and much more important that we celebrate their life and what it means. And so uh, this is what we do, of course, uh, when we look at the, the Virgin Mary and we look at her birth, we're seeing God beginning to set up the, the path for the incarnation, right? And there's great, great joy in that. There's great joy that she was born, and we celebrate that birth because he's already planning to manifest himself, to become God with us, Emmanuel. That's the, actually some of the readings for today. So we, uh, we talk about God with us, Emmanuel, or not for today, but for Thursday. Uh, and so um, we celebrate Mary always because of what it means for Christ. So there's this, uh, in the uh, breviary, there's this little passage Uh, a discourse by St. Andrew of Crete uh, talking about this feast day. And he says this, The fulfillment of the law is Christ himself, who does not so much lead us away from the letter as lift us up to its spirit. For the law's consummation was this, that the very lawgiver accomplished his work and changed letter into spirit, summing everything up in himself, and though subject to the law, living by grace." He subordinated the law, yet harmoniously united grace with it, not confusing the distinctive characteristics of the one with the other, but affecting the transition in a way most fitting for God. He changed whatever was burdensome, servile, and oppressive to what is light and liberating, so that we should be enslaved no longer under the elemental spirits of the world, as the apostle says, nor held fast as bondservants under the letter of the law. This is the highest, all-embracing benefit that Christ has bestowed on us. This 
is the revelation of the mystery. This is the emptying out of the divine nature, the union of God and man, and the dedication of the manhood that was assumed. This radiant and manifest coming of God to men most certainly needed a joyful prelude to introduce the great gift of salvation to us. The present festival, the birth of the Mother of God, is the prelude, while the final act is the foreordained union of the Word with flesh. Today the Virgin is born, tended and formed and prepared for her role as Mother of God, who is the universal King of the ages. Justly, then, do we celebrate this mystery, since it signifies for us a double grace. We are led toward the truth, and we are led away from our condition of slavery to the letter of the law. How can this be? Darkness yields before the coming of the light, and the grace exchanges legalism for freedom. But midway between the two stands today's mystery, the frontier where types and symbols give way to reality and the old is replaced by the new. Therefore, let all creation sing and dance and unite to make worthy contribution to the celebration of this day. Let there be one common festival for saints in heaven and men on earth. Let everything, mundane things and those above, join in festive celebration. Today, this created world is raised to the dignity of a holy place for him who made all things. The creature is newly prepared to be a divine dwelling place for the Creator. Uh, you know, I, I love the the beauty of the language of the the, the wording of the choices in in uh, in linguistics. Uh, I love the way the church fathers write, and so this brings the question to us as we contemplate uh, Mary being made ready being prepared and being formed to be the mother of God, it brings to us this, this similar question. What is God preparing you for? What, what is it? What thing is God working on you uh, to become, right? Certainly not the mother of God. He's done that. We have that. Uh, but, but there is something that you can do you have talents and gifts, and if you will listen to the voice of the Spirit, something that may even seem very small, may be exactly what He wants you to do. Sometimes we, you know, I talked earlier in the very beginning of the show, sometimes I get jealous of other people's work, but the truth is, uh, my own work, my little work, uh, is what I'm to do. It's what's in front of me. Uh, this little work that I'm doing with the youth group, this is what I'm to do right now. It's to use these gifts and these things that I've been prepared for and that I have some competency in to do them for God. So what is that for you? I pray that this week something would just pop into your mind uh, that would give you a glimpse of what God is calling you to do, what talent, what gift he's calling you to use in a way that you wouldn't necessarily immediately think of. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, Outside the Walls is a co-production of Breadbox Media and St. Michael Radio, heard around the world on live streaming, terrestrial radio, and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>